Google needs that uh, because the outcome, if it doesn't, is either the link will not work or it will work much less than if the link actually had this foundation that it, that Google meets or link meets on the on the actual page that it's pointing at. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Kasiodis, and today I'm very happy and excited to be joined by Rad Balushak. Rad is a web developer and software architect with 20 years of experience. He has been a technical mastermind in the SEO industry since 2010. Rad helped Matt Diggity run his SEO agency, The Search Initiative, and Matthew Woodward, his um, search logistics agency. He recently founded Husky Hamster, an outreach link building company. Rad's specializations include international and technical SEO, machine learning and understanding, as well as looking at SEO from business and management perspectives. Rad, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, hi everyone. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So even though I shared a few things about you and your background, as I do with every guest here at the, you know, at the SaaS SEO, so I would like to, to know a few more things uh, to hear from you about, you know, your story and how you, you know, got to um, the point where you are at today. Yeah, um, it's actually, it's actually one of the jokes. Maybe not, might not be funny for, for everyone, but, um, I came up with this for one of the presentations I was doing recently. And, um, actually I realized that, um, few years ago, my first website was 18 years old. So basically was of legal age. Um, but now it's actually been almost or just over 21. So it's can already drink alcohol in the US. <laughs> um, at least in some states, I don't know the jurisdictions that well. Um, but basically, yeah, I've started out, um, very early, I think I was like 14 or 15 building websites. Um, and actually that's my main background. I was web developer, you know, was learning a lot more about this sort of stuff. Um, and then, and then 
by accident, I became an SEO. Um, it's actually an interesting story because I went for an interview where the company was uh, advertising they're looking for a junior web developer. Um, but then at the interview, they said to me there was a mix-up. So we're not actually looking for a junior SEO, uh, sorry, junior web developer. We're actually looking for a junior SEO. Uh, and I was like, initially, I was like, oh, man, so what the hell am I doing here? Should I just leave or what? But then they started talking to me about SEO and uh, pretty much kind of convincing me that it is really close to web development and all the tech stuff. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm bought. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, you can you can count me in. So, yeah, that was that was pretty much 12 and a bit years ago, <laughs> uh, and I never left ever since. Um, yet my background still remains in, uh, you know, looking at the code and, and dealing with with the sort of stuff. So I think this also answers your question. Um, if you if you had one, what, how did I become uh, an a, a CDO? <laughs> but that. Must have been a great interview, by the way. I mean, to turn you, like you go for uh, one position, one role, and then uh, you get out of the building, like having, another. Got, yeah, with with another. That's that's interesting. That's something you don't get to hear every day. And so, yeah, it was pretty funny. Actually, that was the, um, because back then, even though SEO, you know, search engine optimization, people knew about it more or less or have heard about it. No one actually was that much into it. So this was actually the company's method for recruitment. They were, uh, they were basically having ads that they're recruiting for junior devs and then kind of converting them during the interview, uh, which worked pretty well for them, um, essentially. Okay, that was 12 years ago almost, right? Yeah. Yeah. What what are you doing um and what are you working on today? Oh, what, what am I not working on today? <laughs> Um, well, mainly at the moment uh, is overseeing the tech strategy um, for our clients, helping out our, our tech guys, as well as, um, you know, the strict CTO work, which is um, looking at systems. We've, we've actually built a big in-house um, tool that we use for, you know, all Pretty much all operations related to um, to SEO, link building, and client management. Um, so yeah, that's that's my areas of focus. By the way, let me take a step back and say that uh, you are involved in two agencies, right? Uh, the first one is the one I mentioned in the introduction, which is ha- uh, Husky Hamster, and the second one is non-agency. Can you speak a bit about those two agencies before we dive into like the you know, all the tech, uh, the interesting tech stuff that you do there? Yeah, correct. So, um, yeah, Husky Hamster is a purely international link building agency. Um, this is where we we work with, with links, with link strategies and, and this sort of stuff. Um, and non-agency is, um, is international SEO agency. Um, the processes in both agencies are... Um, so much different that we basically decided to separate them and um, and and for now it's it works pretty well okay uh, I would like to you know to to discuss international link building uh, but let's do that in a minute before that I mean 
it's difficult for me to understand like the need for like a, a CTO in an agency because we have a very like traditional uh, idea of what an agency is and how an agency should like work and serve its clients, build its systems and so on and so forth. So could we dive a bit deeper into that? I mean, what kind of things do you build? What kind of challenges do you encounter while building these things? And why is it important at the end of the day for an agency to, to have this, take this like more tech uh, approach? I think something which will resonate especially with your audience that is revolving around SaaS um, is one word, scalability. <laughs> um, and basically, with so my main experience is working with agencies pretty much for 12 years. I think there was a short period of time, like six or eight months where I worked in-house, but I didn't like it. I need this rush of adrenaline and and fast-paced environment to, to, to thrive. Um, so I, I returned back to agencies. And now pretty much all of the agencies we worked with um, were struggling with, uh, with um, scalability, uh, with automation, with um, being efficient with how they use their time. Okay. Um, and as much as we, you know, I tried to solve those problems, it wasn't always up to me that something could have been implemented. Or um, at, at um, some point, there was a decision to basically retract or reverse our, um, our way to, uh, to keep building an internal tool for operate that that was meant to help with operations and uh, and basically go back pretty much to spreadsheets which i think a lot of agencies are based um, on at the moment um so we when we me and my business partner started um, husky hamster initially uh because we were we were actually thinking that link building agency being a more niche agency than an seo agency would be easier for us to manage um from you know scalability systems perspective processes people and uh, clients and uh, it was true but um as the saying goes never say no to money um, we, we basically discovered that um, the rule is as follows. Not every uh, website that needs SEO needs links, but pretty much every website that needs links also needs SEO, or at least there's way more websites that, um, who, that, that are already doing links that would then need SEO on top of that. Um, and we realized that uh, basically with uh, with the orders we were getting from our clients. So the order, for example, comes in, we look at the anchor text that they, uh, that they requested. And um, let's say some links are meant to point at the homepage. And we look at the homepage and the homepage page title says homepage. Okay, which obviously like straight up blur, you know, kind of like makes me almost blind and, you know, shines at me um, as, as an SEO mistake because I already know that this isn't optimized. Um, and then we were like reaching out to those clients and saying, hey, so 
you know, you're building those links, but uh, if they don't have optimization on the page, then uh, some some of their value is just wasted. So why do that? And since we were doing that anyway, we were, we we said to ourselves, "Hey, man, let's just let's just do a full on agency and and just offer our services where those." you know, clients that come through link building, um, we can, we can tell they need that. Um, so yeah, when we started all that, we basically, uh, we basically focused on initially solving issues that, uh, that all of these agencies that we worked with had, um, okay. And that mainly revolved around scalability and organ like, um, company organization processes and, and things like that. Um, and we started off um, pretty much from scratch. We started building our own internal tool that was meant to help us um, uh, work with link building. I already had experience with that because we've, we've built one for the previous agency that I, um, I was an employee of. Um, therefore, it was easy for me to redesign you know, learn on the mistakes that I made previously, and obviously build it from scratch again um, with with our internal dev dev team. Um, and just um, just just uh, regarding your question, you said that a lot of agencies or a lot of people would struggle to see where uh, a CTO role comes in at an SEO or link building agency. But I think even even fewer people would be like, um, oh, so. Uh, would would understand uh, where does the whole internal dev team comes in uh, at an agency because I don't know that many agencies who actually build their own um, four people um, senior dev team to to just work on their systems and um, we started with that and that's allowed us to to solve so many issues that other agencies are probably struggling with. Um, and it was good because first of all, we, when we work with other agencies, because we work as partner um, where they outsource work to us, we, we just come in and we straight up solve their problems. We know what their problems are and we know that we already fixed them. So they have a very solid partner to work with. Um, and then secondly, as an, as an agency um, that is live for 14, 15, 16 months, something like that, we're already doing really well. Uh, you know, financially, we don't have a big team. So that's, uh, that solves our problem with managing the team. And, you know, the more people you have, it, it, it gets more difficult and out of hand sometimes if you don't have um, already processes in place. But because we were man we managed to um, automate a lot of tasks and have you know huge um, hugely scale our operation, we don't even need that many people um, to to run it. So yeah, and I I find it a great achievement of myself uh, primarily um, because as a CTO, that was my job. <laughs> okay. And um, just last thing, because I think this, this almost turned into a monologue. Uh, sorry about that, George, but at pretty much every agency um, management 
requires people to try to optimize them, their work, you know, try to be more efficient, automate whatever they can. But um, if they don't have an internal dev team or a CTO or someone who's like, I don't know, an operations manager who would be responsible for actually finding those little optimizations and solving them for people um, at the global um, at the glo globally for the whole company then um, this is where where they're missing out and this is where where also my my role comes in can I ask the follow-up question I mean what are some practical applications of that I mean what can husky, uh, husky hamster can do that a uh, link building agency that you know still uses like google sheets can't do like very practically it could either be connected to the value like that th that the clients get and experience like a deliverable for example or it could be something internal that the client you know it's not part of the final outcome but it really helps us be more efficient like scale things up move faster without needing like to to increase the headcount and so on Sure. So, and this is, by the way, as far as we know, our unique selling points as well. So first of all, we monitor our clients' links. And um, what I mean by that, we, on a weekly basis, we check if that link is still there, if the anchor text is still there, if um, nothing changed around that link that Google will disregard it, for example. Um, and if something happens to that link, um, through a, a period of time, we would not even just be like, oh, hey, client, your link is gone. So, um, so buy another one. We would actually replace that link. We, and we do that automatically. Well, not the replacement part isn't automatic, but uh, the, the monitoring is automatic. And I don't know any other agency that would do that for the clients. So basically, uh, the, the value here for the client is if you buy a link from us, you know it stays there, uh, basically. Yeah, and okay. even if and it doesn't, I, we know and we will report on that and we will replace that yeah. for, for free, like free of charge. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, another thing is we also keep an eye if the link gets indexed, uh, because as some of you, you and uh, your 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 audience will know, Google has to index a link in order to see it basically, and for this link to actually bring you any value. Uh, and if it doesn't happen, then obviously this link is is worthless. It's like shouting in the forest, "Hey, I want I want higher higher position." Uh, for a for a certain keyword, it just doesn't work. Okay, so we also automatically monitor if those links get indexed, um, and if they don't get indexed um, since the publication for uh, a period of um, I think it's now six or eight weeks. I can't remember exactly um, because this is a little bit of time we need to give Google in order to notice that link because that link because Google obviously is constantly flooded with new content and it's a bit slow with indexation, um, but if that link doesn't get indexed in the initial um, time frame, we also replace it because we know it's it's, it's a waste of money for the clients. Um, and this is this is by far um, also something that I don't see or I haven't heard any other agency do. Because agencies, in fact, most of link building agencies, at least, uh, bear in mind those that I haven't heard of who are doing it, uh, they don't care if the link gets indexed or no. 
Okay, their job ends at the moment of this link going live, this article going live. And whether Google notices it or no, they don't really they don't really pay that much attention. Can I ask something though? How do you know when a link get gets indexed if we are not talking about a new page where you assume that okay, new page, Google is going to discover it, it's going to crawl it, it's going to give it a place in the index, and so on and so forth. If we are talking about like a page that already exists and you know there is a a link inserted in that page or there is a content update and in the context context of an update there you know there is a, a new link on the on the page my question is how do you know for pages that are not new that the, the link is indexed yeah so that's a great question because obviously when it's a new content it's easy you just you just check um, site search or whatever in google and then you see if that uh, new content has popped it, uh, popped up or no um for the old content when you where you're doing linking session we look at google cache uh, and some people might say it's not very re reliable and and so on and so forth. But as long as Google, Google's cache includes that link, then we can we can um, we can claim that that Google has seen it because it's cached it. So um, so it's seen it, and then it's probably just a matter of time before it processes it because um, the 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 whole crawling slash indexing part um, it's actually a bit complicated. Google um, Google's process at the moment looks at as follows so first google crawls a page but it doesn't necessarily mean um, and this is why also even if we work with websites closely and we could include on their website something that tracks if google uh, has crawled that page or not uh, we decided to not go this route because a crawled page doesn't mean that it's already been indexed Okay, um, so crawling is like just a discovery uh, discovery stage of new content that Google uh, that Google has. But then there's uh, the second stage, which is um, indexing, and this is where Google actually pulls whatever discovered content it's it's seen, pulls it into the index. Then comes the rendering stage because Google initially wants to save their resources, and it only pulls in the text. Um, version of the page, so basically the pure HTML, um, and only during the uh, rendering um, phase they pull in all the JavaScript and other stuff, and then they render the page to to see how it actually looks like. Um, and then finally, after those three stages, so crawling, indexing, and rendering, um, somewhere. During that time, after indexing, rendering, or uh, a bit later, happens um, the the moment when Google actually um, when Google actually cal recalculates the changes and and um, shows the effect of whatever it is you've done on a page um, to uh, to affect your ranking um, in a positive, negative, or neutral way. So. Um, and and that last bit about recalculating and 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 um, uh, and and reassessing where you're meant to be ranking is is like not Google isn't very open um, about that so so we don't really know when that happens exactly. It might be right after indexing. It might be later. Uh, I think it it would also depend on on the page and on some 
other factors. But um, let's maybe that's not go too, too, too deep into that. <laughs> I would like to shift gears a bit and discuss uh, something that fascinates me. I, I don't know many things about that, but uh, you know this is obviously uh, one of the reasons why we are having this this discussion because you guys are experts in in it, and it's international link building. Okay, I know international SEO. When I hear of international link building, I think of a website like Canva, for example, that has different versions of their websites in all the countries and languages they operate in. And the need for building links from websites in that country, in that language, back to their like localized, you know, pages in order to help them like, you know, with all the benefits that links come with. Okay. Is that right? Is that, you know, kind of a, a fair, let's say, or a, an accurate depiction of what international link building is? I would like to hear from you how you perceive it. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty close. Um, I think I think this is one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is um, basically, as far as I know, this no or just one of the top of my head link provider that has a bigger variety of. Um, countries that they cover. Most of link building agencies um, either work only within uh, their own language, like majority would obviously be in English because it, it, it apparently so much of the internet is um, is English is in English language. Um, Obviously, there are local providers who, for example, work only with German links or only with um, French or Spanish links, um, but for us, international means we work with um, a lot of different languages. At the moment, I think we we can we can um, support seven or eight languages, uh, which which is pretty easy for the clients to use us as a one stop shop, regardless of what um, what their website's language is. If it's just French or if it's French and English and something else. Um, for instance, so that's that's my definition of uh, of international link building. Uh, by the way, the the case of Canva that you mentioned, I was actually um, recently analyzing their progress in terms of um, in terms of SEO, and um, for them, when it comes to link building, is it's super easy because they they are a well known brand. They would get links. Um, from many sources without even caring that much about uh, about uh, building them or, or gaining them they just just they just get them naturally um, however and this is especially true for startup companies whichever whichever niche uh, niche they are in um, let's say for this sake SaaS startup companies or or some sort of um, AI tool because these are on the on on the huge rise uh, at the moment. Um, if if you're just starting out, no one knows you. Okay, your website is new; it has no history. No one's ever heard of it. Um, so this is when when it becomes difficult for you to to get some links uh, naturally, at least. Um, and 
yeah, this is when when agencies like like ours, uh, Husky Hamster, come in to help you with all that. Can I ask you something that I like genuinely want to know? You currently support seven, eight languages and countries, and I I assume that you know this number will continue to to grow, and you will add more countries, more languages, and so on. Do you find any differences between the like people in different countries you reach out to based on the different like cultural backgrounds, the like maturity in terms of internet usage? or sophistication around like what you're trying to do right now. And, and I'm asking this question because I think of like a person from the US, for example, I'm not, you know, I don't want to generalize it, but I think that people from the US are like um, way ahead in terms of their understanding of how internet works. And I think about a person from the US if you reach out to them, you know, would you be able to include this link in your blog post? They know what you're doing. Okay. As opposed to someone from, for example, from Germany, say, or I don't know, a, another European country, they may be, you know, what, what is this request now? Is it like, is it, is it something I should be concerned of? Or is it something I can, yeah, I can do it right now. And for you, this may be a very important link. You know, so my question is, do you see any differences in the like uh, in all these different countries that you like build links uh, from? Well, man, definitely. And that's actually something like the the mentality uh, differences. Let's let's generally uh, let's say uh, let's call it that as as a general term. Um, they're they're crazy huge, like honestly, and um, I might mentioned something which which is a little bit of of topic um or at least slightly of topic but um so yeah feel free to to cut it out if you like but um when you think about a website from just building a website perspective web development okay if you have the same principle um towards your audience for I don't know, Polish language, English, um, French, um, Arabic, you would be losing a lot of users because they just, they just won't like it. There are cultural differences. They are lang there are language differences. This, the mentality, this different, so at least slightly different ways to approach for example conversion rate optimization or user experience when 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 you have to deal with people from different countries some are a bit um, stricter and would would prefer very simple um, interface for example um, and some others would like to have everything you know beautiful you know glossy and all that um, and as much as that would go to designing interface or website or, or whatever other app um, you're thinking about, very similar things come into play when you're when you're dealing with with link building and when you outreach to people. So what you mentioned with um, 
with 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 audience or or our contacts from the US or from other countries that have websites in in English. Um, that's very true. Uh, and actually, we, I remember when we when we um, when we reached out to some contacts, well, some websites, not contacts, because they became contacts afterwards um, in Romania. And we said, "Hey, so we saw your website. There's um, there's an article we can give you. Okay, uh, would you be willing to publish it?" And they were like, "How much do I pay you?" Not you know you pay me for this publication with a link but they were like oh how much do you want for this article and we were like nothing it's free man <laughs> so yeah the differences are like that the some people um from 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 different countries would would come across as rude also in email communication because they're just so strict to the point they're like yeah so we we put together a nice pitch where we say oh um this is what we research and stuff like that and you know through the pitch we're trying to encourage them to either publish our content on insert the link or maybe just just to start talking with us um occasionally um, and some some uh, some countries, some residents would be like, "Too long, didn't read. Just tell me what the hell you want, man." <laughs> Something like that. So, yeah, the, the differences are there definitely. Uh, we're seeing that, for example, when when we deal with um, with French journalists, um, occasionally they um, we need to deal with them slightly different. They they look at uh, they have to have everything, like literally everything lined out for them. We have to say basically everything and stuff like that and, you know, explain to them where this comes from and things because they have to um, cross-reference, fact-check everything um, and they wouldn't just, you know, take our word for it when, when there's some statistic in the content, for example. Um, obviously, which is, which is a very, um, like, very obvious thing to also mention when you're dealing with um, with foreign contexts, you gotta take into consideration the time difference, um, and that's a big thing when we're sometimes working with Australian websites um, because w when we send them an email um, in at the end of our day, uh, okay, they respond with a quick question, for instance, but we're gone. We've already gone home and. So they're waiting an entire day for our response, and sometimes the let's say the lead um, of of this potential website goes cold because they just got offended for us uh, with us not answering them uh, in a timely manner. If it was just a kind of like a silly question of of yes or no type, um, so yeah, this there's a lot of stuff like that, um, uh, and sometimes people are like. Yeah, like I said, very surprised that you're reaching out to them, and they're like a bit suspicious. So, why do you want this? Con why do you want to give it to me? Where's the catch? Uh, for example, and and I remember we've worked with um, with a few websites from South America. Uh, in this case, um, trying to get some some Spanish links from Argentina, for example, and they were like, "Yeah, you know, what? I don't trust you. I don't really know who you are, and you're just some random company from." you know, pretty much across the globe. So, I, I, yeah, I don't feel comfortable. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable, you know, uh, posting any of your content. Maybe that it's got a virus or something, which these these things are obviously crazy, but but they happen. Um, it's it's fun. 
uh, let's put it this way. It's a lot of fun, uh, a lot of experience and a lot of, um, a lot of discovery of how these different markets, how these different audiences slash contacts work. It's, it's good to know because that's also something I was, you know, I had in my mind for a while now and I, I wanted to ask this, this question. Now, as I, as I hear it, what you do includes a lot of outreach and communications, emails, and so on and so forth. I've been hearing a lot lately that from, you know, other content marketing agencies that also do link building or purely link building agencies that they kind of sift away from manual outreach and focus on different strategies, for example, passive link acquisition for link building. Why do, first of all, do you, do you think that this is something that actually happens or is it just, just my observation? And if yes, why do you think that happened? Is it because, for example, manual outreach becomes more and more difficult because in, in mainly in English speaking countries, people are just fed up. Like I can't, like my, my inbox is going to explode. I can't read any new emails from recipients. I don't know. Why, why do you think that happens? Um, that's a good question. Uh, also, you're, you're, you're shooting me here <laughs> with, with very good questions. So good job uh, on preparation. I think, I think it boils down to a few things. Uh, but before I start talking about them, let's address uh, an elephant in the room. Okay. Most of the people that you reach out to, obviously, I know I mentioned that some of them are surprised of some of the, or some of them want to offer us to pay us for content. Um, but let's be honest, the majority of people that we reach out to, they want money. Okay. Some, some of them have almost uh, automated responses with a bloody PayPal link that, that they just throw at us with, with a certain amount This is already prepared for, for selling links. Um, okay. And, um, but, and I'm not going to lie, we, we sometimes, you know, acquire links through this method where someone wants money and we just pay them. Okay. I don't think, I know it's against, um, it might be against Google guidelines, um, but it's it's an exchange for content, for publication. It's like a fee that you sometimes are paying and would pay to, I don't know, BBC, for example. At least that's, 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 the, way, that's the way I see it. And the thing is, we, you know, we don't really um, pressurize them that much um, if they want, if, if they change the link to a no follow, um, what we would do, we would just try to, um, because that's what Google guidelines say. Okay. So we're not, we're not explicitly saying, oh, this link needs to be do follow. Okay. Although if that link is a no follow, we would probably try to, uh, try to, um, replace it with something else. Okay. So this is, this is how we're, we're not directly breaking Google guidelines because even though we pay them the publication fee, we we leave it leave it up to them if they want to leave it to follow or no follow. Okay, so it's 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 not influenced. Um, the thing is though, so with that, that's we've we've seen a trend where the the, the prices that they ask for um, are increasing. Okay, so link building it just starts getting a, 
a little bit more expensive. And I know there was a research done by, I think, Joshua Hardwick from Ahrefs where he said, oh, only like 20% of websites that I reached out to wanted money for this. But, you know, he was probably reaching out uh, either with his own name so people know him or with Ahrefs brand or something something that people know so they would be more willing to give him free links if, if you're reaching out. Um, and I, I dare you and your audience to try just to just email a few companies, few websites and try to ask them for links. They, are, they will either ignore you or ask for money. And very occasionally they would be like, oh yeah, sure, give me content. Um, so yeah, why, why don't you do that test? I would be curious to, to hear feedback. But um, overall, that element is getting more expensive. But another thing is, um, which which you also need to consider, and this is where I sometimes, um, when, why I'm, I am sometimes baffled with um, some people on the internet saying, oh, you know, you can't really place a price on the link, or if you do, then um, then you're already against Google guidelines. But the thing is, right, for example, in our case as an agency, you know, we have um, company overheads, um, we have salaries, we have time and resources that we put into securing that link. And all of these things, even if we don't uh, consider or we only get free links, which which um, a lot of links that we get are, um, are free, um, all, all of the other things actually add up. Okay, and we as an agency, which is pretty lean, we can measure all of these things as well. And therefore, you know, that price of the link that we give you is all of those things um, considered. So it's not that we sell you an individual link, we sell you a service that consists or leads to getting and securing the links link to you. Okay. And it's, it's, you know, to, to simplify it, it's, um, it's exchanging money of our clients for our time and final result, uh, which is the link. Okay. And that's like any other service works. Um, but again, going back to what I was saying, why outreach might be less and less popular, um, obviously it also takes time and people are, there's a lot of outreach companies, that there's a lot of freelancers doing outreach and I think companies are just getting fed up. Like you mentioned, uh, you know, my inbox is so full with outreach requests that I don't really, don't even want to look through it. Um, comp companies just, and, and site owners are just getting fed up with that and they just um, start ignoring those links, those requests. And obviously that leads to, again, increased costs because if we, out of, I don't know, 100 emails used to get, let's say, 20 responses uh, and now we get 10, for instance, then obviously we have to send um, 200 emails to, uh, to get the same number of responses or to secure the same number of links. Um, okay, obviously these numbers are just made up for for uh, illustration, but um, but it's 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 all getting more expensive. Um, there are ways to to secure links, like you mentioned, um, that are more passive uh, with content. I've, I've I've even heard people secure links with producing great content and then using. Um, uh, using Facebook ads to promote that content and targeting it at uh, journalists uh, to pick up. Um, but in our case, we found our sweet spot um, and we 
are definitely scalable um that that you know outreach works best it's best scalable we have control over um and uncertainty of the result um at least in in in, in this case um and as much as i will admit that we are also exploring um enriching our services with some other types of link acquisition type uh, like Haro for example or, or something similar to Haro where you basically have a platform where you get um, requests for from reporters and then you pitch them with your answers or, or with, with whatever it is they need um, we, we find it so far we're still thinking how to optimize it, but we find it so far uh, very unpredictable on one hand and pretty much difficult to scale at the agency level. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it boils down to what you're good at and what flows your boat. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, that's a great answer and and way to to put it. I would like to discuss something that. I see as a as a problem, let's say when it comes to link building, I have many friends who own agencies or run businesses who buy services from agencies and a common like pattern slash problem, especially when it comes to link building is tying link building back to business outcomes. For example, for example, every link we build back to this page results in, you know, uh, two times what we spent to to like uh, build this link or contributes to generating X revenue. Why do you think it's so difficult to tie link building to business outcomes? And like, how do you do that? Because apart from one piece of content I I read a while back, when it comes to how you can take a BI approach to to link building, I haven't seen anything like worth reading or following that adds up to the discussion around the ROI of link building. And I would like to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think you gave me an idea for a content series because we could we could actually produce some content around um, uh, business outcomes and, and ROI connected to links. Um, but yeah, food for thought for me. <laughs> uh, great feedback. Anyway, so first of all, and you remember how I was mentioning that we 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 did initially work only with the link building agency, and then we we said to ourselves that you know so many clients actually needed SEO that we that we decided to also to start to also start the uh, the full SEO agency, um, and this is I think the main answer to why link building is so difficult to actually um, to to actually put into business terms because link building is only one of the elements of uh, online marketing strategy okay uh, let's say for example you're, you're selling um, you have red addresses category on your website and you want to build links that mention red addresses in the anchor text because obviously this gives Google context but then if the page title and some other like H1 and some other elements on that page don't even mention red addresses, Google will struggle to get the uh, Google will struggle to get the uh, corresponding relevancy uh, 
just from links and Google needs that uh, because the outcome, if it doesn't, is either the link will not work or it will work much less than if the link actually had this foundation that it, that Google meets or link meets on the on the actual page that it's pointing at. Um, and obviously, without that, you know, you can be spending ten thousands of dollars on link building to an unoptimized website. And the the ROI will be none or negative. But then you optimize the website, invest like 5k in the optimization. Sometimes it doesn't even you know take that much, and 5k is enough to you know optimize the website to enough for Google to start making sense um, out of it. Uh, and you can spend 2k on links, and then you 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 may see some see some ROI. Okay, so I think the main problem is that that link building is just is just one of the elements that that go under the SEO or online marketing, um, if you want to look at it in broad, in in a broader context perspective. Although, and this is like an, a little addition to uh, to what we're doing, what we also do, and we do that without our clients even knowing. Every single link that we build. Um, we actually um, we actually rank check that anchor text on that page that the link is leading to or the, the client wants to build to, and we check the positions for uh, for that keyword that is the anchor text every week for an extended period of time, and that gives us an idea first of all whether the the links that we build work. If they if they give you a pop, uh, so to speak, uh, in rankings, and obviously this is good for us because we can then say, oh, uh, we can we can obviously go to the client and say, hey, so all of these links that you that you that you bought from us, they actually work, and you, your rankings have gone up that much um, for these keywords. Uh, but secondly, we can we can also um, remove, let's say, toxic publishers or publishers that uh, whose websites don't work um, for our clients out of our contacts, right? So if we see that the website um, has no impact on, let's say, 50% of the keywords that, that, that we, we're placing in, in the content, um, we would just not use it anymore because what's the point to use something that doesn't work, okay? And this is like another way of us making sure that the quality of, of links that we provide is, is actually top-notch. That makes sense. And I mean, I mean, it makes sense. It's just a part of the equation and it's not like the end all be all it's not like just links it's links and content and user experience and like design and so many other things that affect let's say how people perceive like the the experience they had with the website and to extend that how google you know like perceives uh and what signals it gets from from the experience people had now I would like to start wrapping things up, uh, and uh, I have you know one more question for you. What do you think uh, of Google's comments lately on the decreasing value of uh, link building and uh, links? Do you see this as something like viable? 
Google can actually determine the value of a page without taking into as much account as it used to, like the, the links that this page has, or is it just something that Google has to say for all the bad actors? I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think I think what you're referring to is a podcast episode with John Miller, uh, and I actually I actually used a quote from him um, as, to to put something in perspective during one of one of my recent presentations, uh, because in that same context he actually said that. Uh, yes, links are losing value, and Google will, uh, over time, start treating them with with or trust, um, attribute less uh, influence to links in the algorithm. Uh, but then he also mentioned that they will not be as strong as they are at the moment okay and that was something that encouraged me to or actually confirmed um something that me and a lot of other SEOs keep seeing that links are still a very 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 strong factor in the algorithm so on one hand they're saying they're planning on something on the other hand they, they they're saying that at the moment links are very important okay so that's one thing to bear in mind the other thing is to bear in mind is um and i think this is something something very important to to mention is they said it before chat gpt came into play and was released and everyone went crazy with that okay and i think google is in a in a big pickle now or has a big pickle to to deal with uh, in terms of AI content and chat GPT and all of that being freely freely accessible or um, if I think I think if chat GPT will become commercial and we will have to pay for it, it's still gonna be much cheaper than just just human generated content and I think using it with human over, um, overseeing it um, is the way forward and allows you to produce a lot of content. And now, if you think about it, internet is a huge place, okay? And it's full, it's full of content. And Google is openly saying that the recent problems they had with indexation were because they were dealing with a problem of duplicate content and they're trying not to index that much content because a lot of it is, a lot of it is duplicated. I think they even... Um, gave a figure of how much of the internet is, is duplicated. It was like 60 or 70%. I, I can't remember, but it was pretty high. So obviously they have to deal with um, with recognizing duplicate content and dealing with that poor quality content as well. Uh, and this is why they're indexing less uh, things at the moment. And now if you think about it, with AI-generated content, which I which I don't have to even predict, I know it's going to be huge this year. It's everyone everyone who can just sit down and think about it doesn't need to uh, doesn't need encouragement to to say that it's going to be huge this year. There's so many predictions, and everyone says the same thing. Um, so if you think about it, Google is going to be flooded absolutely flooded with content. This is probably going to be trillions and trillions of words uh, on the internet that's going to that's gonna be pump, pumped out this year. So, yeah, if Google has already had some problems, although they're trying to address them with uh, helpful content updates uh, when it comes to content, um, 
but nothing is going to address that huge flood of content this year. So if they can't reliably uh, you know, address content issue or over, um, overproducement, uh, overproductivity of content, what are they going to use to distinguish good websites from bad websites? Probably links, right? Because technical stuff, it's, in my opinion, more of binary. You either fixed something or no. There's obviously things like information architecture and um, and uh, and topical clusters and all of these things, but these heavily rely on content. And if you get so much new content, you're, you're gonna get it lost. You're gonna you're gonna make mistakes as well. So then they'll have to they'll have to use links as as the as the signal that differentiates um, some websites in terms of the content. So I think. What they what they said is true, and we've seen over the years. But we're not talking two years; we're talking like ten years <laughs> time that links were way more important back ten years ago than they are now. Um, but I don't think it's because Google has um, has planned crackdown on links. I think it's because Google is educating people more on how to build good websites and people actually build good websites nowadays and produce much better content that they used to 10 years ago and google algorithm got much smarter and in distinct in um, at distinguishing the the uh, quality uh, content from shit content sorry i don't know if you should <laughs> if you yeah, should sorry. sorry about that just uh, just beep it out <laughs> um but overall, um, overall, so yeah, we can say yeah, that links were losing on their importance for whatever reasons that I just mentioned now. Although Google said that uh, in the context that they're planning maybe something or it just insinuated they're planning on doing something with links because they know that people produce a lot of shitty links too, uh, right? But they said that before ChatGPT, so I think they they really need to go back to their um, algorithms and and think about what to do with this problem now because it it most definitely is a problem for Google. Yeah, let's leave it there. I think that this is a <laughs> an optimistic way of uh, seeing the future for link building. Um, Rad, thank you very much. This this has been very educational for me personally, and I hope for our audience. Uh, last question I have for you: Where can people find out more about you and get in touch? Um, definitely at, at website at both websites, huskyhamster.com or not uh, non dot agency. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Um, I'm happy to answer any follow up questions. Friend, I'm friendly, so don't worry. <laughs> That's great, Rod. Thank you very much. Right, thank you. Thank you for staying with us until the end. Before you go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com AWT and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO Show has wrapped. 
We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.